Hey, everyone. Before we get to the show, I would just like to touch on something that comes up in the show itself. Mike and I will have a discussion about Nathan Rourke, obviously his injury and the impact that'll have. And it gets into a much larger discussion on certain aspects of the Canadian Football League. But during that discussion, I mentioned a tweet that I saw from Farhan Lalji talking about Rourke not dreaming about playing in the NFL. I misread that tweet. It actually says that Rourke didn't dream of playing in the CFL. I don't understand how I misinterpreted that or misread it. I don't remember the circumstances regarding when I when I read it first. But, you know, sometimes that stuff kind of happens. I just want to make sure that you guys know when you listen to the episode, we kept it in because we thought the discussion was quite interesting. Uh, it leads to a much larger discussion on where we see sort of things in the CFL in regards to superstar players and a whole host of stuff. It's actually a really interesting convo that Mike and I had. But we were going to clip it out. We decided not to because we thought the discussion was worth keeping in there so that you guys could listen to it. But just so you know, when you get to that point in the episode that I am aware that I made a mistake, that the tweet in question does not reference Rourke not wanting to play in the NFL. It references him not dreaming of playing in the CFL. I just wanted to make that clear. Uh, so with that said, enjoy the rest of the show. Around my team, yeah, we off the leash. You could look us in the eyes, see, we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up, cause with everything we drop, we can score it when we wanna. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger yeah, cats. Nobody hitting harder. Gotta keep your guard up. Yeah. Just with everything we drop, we can score it when we wanna. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Welcome to Podsky Weeby. I'm Josh Smith. I'm Michael David Graham. Michael, that's your middle name's David? Yes, my father's name. I, did I did I know that? I don't think I did. You might have known that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's ever came up before. but And I don't do know, know why I just said it now, but uh, I did. So. <laughs> do you know what my middle name is? Danger. <laughs> I, I, I have to say, like, I think I do, but I can't remember it right now. You, you, if, you, if you think it's a name, then you don't, because I don't have a middle name. Oh, fuck. Well, then. <laughs> never mind. I didn't know it. No middle name. What's that? No middle name. Yeah. My parents oh. never gave me or my brother a middle name, which is weird. Because I always thought it was because my mom didn't have a middle name, because that's what she always said. And then I asked my grandmother. Mom's like, no, your mom's middle name is Anne. Like, I don't know what she's talking about. She always told me she had no middle name. <laughs> and my dad's middle name is Michael. But, yeah, my parents never – and every time I tell people that, they're they're shocked. They're like, what do you mean you don't have – and I have such a plain name. Like – Growing right. up, Joshua wasn't a super popular name. It's a more popular name now, I think, or it's becoming more popular. I've heard learned like when I was growing up, there was like no one with my name, and kind of same with my brother. Like there wasn't a lot of Jakes, Jacobs growing up. But to have the last name Smith and no middle name, it's like I, I could be a you know whenever you see like a creative player in like a video game, and it's just like random name generator and then like a blank face. That would be me because like right. I have the one of the plainest names in existence. Come to think of it, like. Yeah, you, middle names are kind of useless, really. I mean, 
when Unless do you, you really buy them? What's that? Do you want to go buy them? You know what I mean? Yeah, I suppose. If you don't like your first name or something, then you can you could go by like if I didn't like Michael, I could go by David. But uh, uh, I'm pretty sure Michael was a pretty common name back in the '80s. Under uh, unlike Josh, uh, yeah, so there's my, a lot I, of a lot of mics out there around my age. A lot of like and David's too. Like yeah, like David yeah. Skeever, like classic. I don't. I think whatever era of the last hundred years, you 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 know a Mike, a Dave, and a Steve. And I know mul- I don't know if I know multiple Mikes, but I've known multiple. Like in my lifetime, known multiple Mikes, multiple Daves, multiple Steves. Well, probably probably the most common white person name out there. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. Anyway, enough about names. We have a lot of stuff to get into today, Mike. But I wanted to start by addressing some criticism that I in particular received following our most recent live show. Uh, one of our listeners, Corey Allen, sent in a follow-up tweet to something that I said in reaction to one of his comments that you read on the live Instant Reactions post-game show that was on Twitter after the game on, uh, what was it, Saturday? So Corey took issue with my calling one of his comments bullshit regarding him saying that he knew the game was over when the Ticats failed on their early third-down game on the first quarter. Do you remember when I, I said this? This kind of got a, you and I into a little bit of a heated discussion. Uh, you kind of you kind of fired back at me as well, but I, I'm assuming you remember this this little interaction we had. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll admit that my reaction was likely harsher than maybe it should have been and definitely much harsher than it would have been had I had the time to kind of gather my thoughts or a chance to like cool off. Like when we used to do these post game things in the past where we do it on this show, we've had a couple of days to kind of sit with our thoughts and and the further you get away from the game, right, like the the less sort of animated both in the positive yeah. if they win and the negative if they lose, you kind of get, right? Like I'm sure and I, th- I think that's, you know, not to interrupt you there, sorry, Josh, but I think that it's it's a good thing to have the emotions running for a show like this because, you know, in the past I'd be like, dang, I wish we were doing a show like right after the game because I'm mm-hmm. fired up right now, you know what I mean? So um, I think that's a good thing that we, uh, you know, I think it's entertaining when when we disagree, for, for people to listen to, you know, obviously we're not going to disagree all the time because most of the time we actually agree and we're not just going to make up stuff to, uh, you know, have an argument, but, uh, I like having the emotions high right after the game. Oh, I agree. I think that's what makes the post game show interesting for the people listening is that our, our responses aren't measured. Like you, you, we, you read those tweets out that, that we get and we get tons of them. And I love when we get those, cause it, a, it gives us something, it gives us, content we that we don't have to generate ourselves which is always nice but you get our our actual right off the top of our head responses i think that's what makes those shows more entertaining i think the fact you mentioned that we don't manufacture arguments the one of the things that i'll say about you and i at least i at least i try to think this is that we're authentic like i don't i and i've done this both in my writing and on the show i've never said or done anything that i don't stand behind if you don't agree with me that's fine i'm perfectly fine with people not agree i've been called every name under the sun when it comes to things that I've written in the past, things that I've said on this show, I'm fine with that. I, as long I, I you know, if you're going to be disrespectful, I kind of dismiss you and don't really pay you any mind. But if you, I'm all up for a respectful disagreement, you, that's what I hope you and I do when we disagree on things. It's, I don't think that you're wrong. I don't think you think that I'm wrong. We just have a differing opinion. I think that's part of the fun of, of sports sort of in general, but also sports commentary is that you're going to come at things from a different angle you and i have had and we're not going to bring it again but you and i have drastically different opinions on that decision you think it was a bad one i think it was a great one and that's fine there's no real wrong answer quite honestly because at the end of the day we're just kind of talking about sports and this is supposed to be fun 
I think the fact that our post game shows are our kind of raw and unfiltered opinions, both from us as well as the listeners, that they're 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 reflecting right off the, after the game ends. And when you have that time to sort of sit back and and think about it after a couple of days, you kind of come off that proverbial ledge, right? Like if you go back and go back, just go back to last year and listen to some of our post game shows after a demoralizing loss. We're probably if had we done a show right after that game. Like, think about the Argos game that they lost on the missed extra point or the one where they got blown out late in the season. We probably would have had a much different follow-up if we did a live show right afterwards versus sitting back for a couple of days, letting it marinate with us, and then coming back. And maybe that makes it more interesting for some people. Maybe it doesn't, but I I like the the, the sort of visceral reactions that we have. Corey himself admitted in a follow-up that he changed his mind on what he thought after the fact. So we call kind of kind of have that in us where, you know, you get your, your, you know, knickers in a knot, so to speak, and fire off something that you might not mean. My comment that I made in the show, calling it BS, it was never meant to be disrespectful or demeaning. It was simply my gut reaction to what you, what you read. I really hope that that clears everything up. I hope Corey, that you continue to listen and continue to comment post game. I love the fan stuff and I'm not going to hold back. I hope you don't hold back. I hope the fans don't, uh, the listeners don't hold back on what they say to us. I, I, I want that sort of, the whole point of us doing these instant reaction post game shows was to do be in the heat of the moment. We get very little time to cool off for usually a half hour to 45 minutes after the game. I don't know about you, but I'm still amped up at that time after a big win or a big loss. I, I think that we got to keep it going. And I think the same thing with the, with the fans out there as well, the listeners out there that send us questions. I want that sort of gut reaction, whether we agree or disagree. I think that makes things way more fun. Absolutely. And you know, I think our place in the tie cat fandom is to be real you know what i mean like <clears throat> uh the tie cats audio network is great it, i listen to it all the time it's fantastic player interviews um all that stuff but you can't really you know send in comments and you know people aren't going to read it on the air you know the stuff that we read because it's you know you might they might feel that it's uh too negative too negative towards yep, the franchise or the team or everything yep. like that so and that's i feel like we're the fan voice you know what i mean you can say anything like i'm not going to read you know terrible terrible comments on our show but you know i'll read more than what other places might read yeah and i think that there's there's room in it for everything i think the team having their own media wing i don't have a problem with that i'll hesitate to use the words propaganda but because but a lot of people would but Louis B does a great job with the Ticats Audio Network. Everyone associated with it, that, that's that's a great resource if you want that type of analysis, that type of content. We're different. We don't have players on. And it's something that we've we've tried. We've tried in the past to have guests, and, and it's worked. But it's one of those things where I think over the years, you and I have decided that we want this to be something. We, I'm sure we'd probably get way more downloads if we had guests. But this is a chance for two friends to sit here and talk football for about an hour every week and adding this to the conversation. I think that the two you, cause to me, there's, there's so much space out there for sports discussion and we're getting so much more as, as the internet just keeps getting bigger and bigger and podcasts become easier. And you know what I mean? Like there, it seems like you're inundated 24 seven with sports talk. If you spend a couple of, of hours a week listening to us, I'm grateful for that. But I think that it can all sort of it, – it comes together. You can get your stuff from them. You can get your stuff from us. There's other fan podcasts out there, different teams, even some Highcats ones. Like it all – like there's no 
conflict in my opinion because I think we all we all bring something different. We all have our quote unquote story to tell that I think it just makes yeah, the the visceralness, the the gutturalness of our post game shows is something that you wouldn't get. Like the fifth quarter has fans call in and they're they're like that. You know what I mean? Like there's there's yeah. so many different avenues to with which to consume. You come to us, you're going to get I, I would I would think that people would kind of understand after all these years who we are as a as a show and, and what we kind of like to promote. So again, if I, I didn't mean to demean anyone, I, I never mean to demean anyone. Let I me mean, unless you're being a complete fool. I mean, you know, the bozo stuff that we used yeah, to do yeah. in the past. But that's <laughs> a little I different. Mean, I, I went after someone too on that post game show as well. Well, but yeah, I, but he's an idiot. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and not that you went after Corey or anything like that. No. You, you, at all. I don't think that was I mean, he might have took it that way at first, but uh, um, you know, like you said earlier, keep sending in the comments. We love Absolutely. the more we get, the better. Yeah, look, that post game show is not just for you and I, it's also for everyone else. Like it's it's basically a group therapy session or a group hug. Like after a, a bad <laughs> loss like what we had on Saturday, it's nice to kind of just get everyone in there. Let's commiserate on it. Let's get it all out of the out in the open. Let's let's, you know, hit stop on the record button and let's move on to the next one. So, yeah, we're going to keep doing it. We want everyone out there, Corey, especially you in particular, please keep sending your stuff in. We 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 we've really enjoyed doing the post game shows and I don't think we're going to stop anytime soon. But now that that's out of the way, Mike, let's move on to some Tiger Cats news. And we do have a couple of things to discuss. We're going to start with the roster moves that the team made today. They added former Montreal Alouettes defensive back Rodney Randall Jr. and American receiver Jalen Reed to the roster while at the same time releasing Canadian receiver Tyler Turner. Uh, Randall Jr. played 19 games over two seasons with the Owls and had 44 defensive tackles, 11 special teams tackles, and two interceptions during his time with the team. Reed attended, or Red, I think. I think it's Red. I believe it's Red, not Reed. I think it's I think it's R E D. I can't. I spelled it's it. It's R E D D. It is okay. I spelled it two different yeah. ways here, and I'm like, oh, is it red or read? Okay, it's red. So it's red. Red attended mini yeah. camps with the Seattle Seahawks and Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year after spending five seasons at the University of Oregon. Uh, with the Ducks, he caught 131 passes for 1,435 yards and 16 touchdowns, while adding 24 carries for 179 yards and five TDs on the ground. And Tyler Turner was brought back to the team after being cut in training camp. Canadian receiver, who I thought. Had a little bit in him, but I guess, you know, didn't make the team out of training camp. They had a little bit of issue with Canadian receivers, with guys getting hurt. So they had to bring him back. So, Mike, these moves, what what do you make of them? What what What's your instant reaction to the team bringing in more help in the defensive secondary and more help in the receiving core? I think it comes down to basically injuries. You know, you got uh, Lawrence Woods, who went down last game in the return game, which I think, you know, this Reed fella, he seems like a, a smaller dude, 5'9", 170. Typical Tiny Cats receiver, no? Yeah, especially since like the June June Jones era. Consider 6'2 and above. Yeah, so it sounds like this guy can move. Um, And and another Oregon Duck, we seem to be collecting them over the the last couple of years, and I'm not complaining about that at all. Um, But maybe he slides into the return game, helps him out, and then in the secondary with Randall Jr., you know, we've had some injuries along the secondary, and he could be a help as well. So I think that these guys might get some playing time, uh, you know, might not just be sitting on the bench. Yeah, Randall Jr. is an, an especially interesting one. The Ticats secondary is kind of banged up. Siante Evans is on the six-game injury list. Uh, Jamal Roll was on the one-game injury list. They both missed the last game against Montreal. 
I didn't think Desmond Lawrence, who filled in for role at the boundary corner position, played particularly well. The the early Geno Lewis touchdown, I tweeted it out. I stand by it. Looked like he forgot that he was even in the game because Lewis catches the pass, turns around, there's no one near him, and Lawrence kind of strolls over to him. Barely seems like he's trying to make a tackle. It was very bizarre. I could see them needing some help in the secondary there, maybe not being happy with, with Lawrence's performance. Maybe Randall gets a chance to to get some playing time this week or in the near future. The team's also really low on American receivers, man. Like they had just two guys on the active roster that are Americans. They both start. Poppy White is still on the injured list, but I do wonder if maybe he'll make his return soon. Maybe he goes into the into the receiving core, and then like you said, you got Red coming in, or maybe it's vice versa. Poppy White stayed with his team because of what he did in the return game last year, especially in that East Final when he his punt return touchdown kind of broke that game open. Maybe he goes back there. They give this new guy a chance to to play some in the receiving core here or there. You never know. And you mentioned Lawrence Woods. I think that's a great point, too. Woods, that looked pretty bad, that injury that he suffered, having to be carried off the field against Montreal. Someone's going to have to do the returning there. We've seen Tim White do it. We've seen Poppy White do it. So, yeah, this I'm, I'm with you, man. This is This is all about injuries kind of decimating this team in this very critical stretch. And it's not usually a good thing when you're bringing in new guys and they're starting right away, but it's, no. it's definitely feels like this team is dealing. Well, we know they're dealing with injuries and this definitely feels like that's the, the only reason why these guys were brought in. It just seems like year after year, we're dealing with a plethora of injuries, like every single, and I, it's football. I get it. You know, there's going to be injuries on every single team, but it just seems like there's more on the Ticats. And maybe that's just me being a Ticat fan and like, you know, I think you just notice. I think you notice it more. Yeah, I think be, for and, sure. And I think I think that's what it is. It's 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 more at the forefront of your brain because teams around the league. Garrett Davis is going to miss the next four to six weeks with an injury, but I also think that some of this has to do with the fact that like league wide injuries aren't as. You hear about these signings and these guys coming in and releases. We don't hear as much about guys unless they're super duper stars, which. And this is maybe a discussion for another day. The CFL is severely lacking right now, and when it, and it comes to the superstar category, there's very few, if any, that are that I players in this league that I would consider superstars. But we never really hear about the guys that go. Because I mentioned it, I think I mentioned it in the post game show. If I did, I know I wrote it in my piece for Three Down, and I know he's not a superstar. But Alex Fontana got hurt, and no one knew. Like Rod Smith during the game thought that that Fontana botched the snap when Woodmansey was there yeah. because. But you know what I mean? Like, it's almost as if the lack of information makes this, and the secrecy too, like, don't get me started. I mean, I know we've talked about in the past, but don't get me started again on the secrecy with this league. It it makes it more difficult to kind of know what's going on league-wide. When you look, again, I know I've said this dozens of times. I hate comparing the two leagues. But when you look at the NFL and it's like a guy's hurt, you know, okay, he's out. He's going to be out for this long. He's been put on injury reserve. Like, they publicize that stuff. Whereas up here, it's kept so quiet that unless it's a major injury to a major player, you're almost caught up. You're like watching the game going, why isn't so-and-so in this game? And then you look it up, you're like, he's hurt? When did that happen? You know what I mean? It's it's just, I, I, this, I think this is part and parcel with the lack of openness from the league and the teams when it comes to injuries and such. So we think, because we, we cover this team and we're, we're following it day to day, oh man, the Ticats are getting hammered. I'm sure there are people out in Edmonton and people out in Montreal and people in Ottawa thinking the exact same thing about some of their guys that we, because we consider guys like Roll and Evans household names. They consider their guys in the secondary too, that maybe we don't know as well. I just think that it's just not as reported as, as much, but I do agree that it does feel like the Ticats have had a lot of injuries the last few seasons. 
Now, <clears throat> it used to be a thing uh, along, you know, early September, there'd be the NFL cuts. And it, it used to be more of a thing that NFL cuts would end up in the CFL. And, you know, you get excited about these these guys coming to Canada. But I think with the expanded rosters and all that, it's just not much of a thing anymore. But it used to be like back in the day. Do you remember that? Yeah, well, Stevie Baggs came came to Hamilton after being cut. Kyrie St. Bear came into Hamilton after being cut. John Chick came back, went to Saskatchewan after being cut right around Labor Day time because that's when the NFL season is about to kick off. Yeah, it used to be a much bigger thing. I think we're seeing less CFL players go down to the NFL too because I think we're seeing guys prioritize playing versus sitting on a practice squad or, or right. riding the bench. <clears throat> like. Sam, the Sam Jagers of the world who spent four years bouncing around NFL practice rosters before he finally came to the CFL. You don't see that as much. I think the NFL is better at identifying talent. The, the guys from Canada that we see go down tend to make some sort of an impact. There, there's always the, like Trey Roberson went down with the Bears, didn't make it, came back to Calgary last year. And, and you see that now and again. But it. Eddie Fantuz came back when he was with his last season with the Riders, went down to try out with the Bears, didn't make it, came back. Weston Dressler went down. I believe he tried out for the Kansas City Chiefs. Casey Printers, like, you're right. It does feel like in years past we saw some of the the superstar players, the, the marquee players from the CFL go down and come up. And then there was also guys that were cut in NFL training camps, maybe lesser tier guys, but guys that maybe had a much higher college pedigree that would also come to CFL. It does feel like in the last few years – that's been emphasized less and less. It really does. And I think it was it was it was more of a thing, you know, even before our time. Mm-hmm. Like in the seventies and the the early eighties when you know this discrepancy in pay wasn't so large between the NFL and the CFL, you'd see more, you know, not star players, but maybe guys that have been in the NFL, you know, veteran guys that have have a name but aren't superstars come down. But, uh, yeah, that's obviously a thing in the past now. Yeah, well, Liram Hyrulah, who just got released, was waived by the Dallas Cowboys today. For, like, the fifth time. It's yeah. Like, how many times have you been released by the Cowboys? Yeah, lost a kicking competition to Brett Maher. It was a CFL yeah, kickoff funny. between those two guys. It looks like Maher's going to be a kicker for the Cowboys. But that's a guy that, again, it's it's a kicker, not a linebacker, or a receiver, or a quarterback. But that's a kicker. That's an all-star level kicker. Great Cup champion with the Argos. Was great with the Ticats in 2019. I believe he was an East Division all-star that year. So... That's a guy that you think maybe these guys, because I'm thinking of the higher law situation, they just try to exhaust. You mentioned like he was cut three, four, five times by the Cowboys. They, I feel like they just exhaust those opportunities because it's such life changing money. Even even the little like eight hundred thousand dollars you you like higher law who would have made this year kicking for the Cowboys is so much more than the hundred and fifty he'd make kicking for Hamilton or Saskatchewan or Winnipeg or whomever. I mean, we get, we did see Devonte Dedman just come back after being cut by the the right. I believe it was the Miami Dolphins. But you're right; it it feels like fewer fewer and fewer we're seeing these guys test the NFL waters and then come back and especially come back and then make kind of an impact. Like how many? Right. When's the last time you remember a guy coming back from the NFL that came in and whether it was right away that season or staying the following season, hmm. really sort of cemented themselves and was like, oh, this is now a star in the CFL. It, it's been a while. It has been a while, and I think that, you know, when guys come back, sometimes they're deflated, right? Because their dream is the NFL, and now they're they're back in the CFL, and I, I just don't think the drive is there anymore because their dreams are basically crushed. And 
and and there's that pension in the NFL, right? If you're in the mm-hmm. if you're in the league three or four years, then you're gonna be set after you're retired. So that's a big thing for these guys. So if they can stick around as a backup for three or four years, they're they're maybe not set for life, but uh, it'll be assisted very nicely. Yeah, and I think that's why you see guys like Hiralahu or Chris Trevler, who's latched on with the yep. New York Jets and now kind of has an opportunity to maybe make that team due to an injury at their quarterbacking position with their their highly touted, hopefully face of the franchise, Zach Wilson, gives them a chance to get that NFL pension or or and and put some stuff on tape that maybe some other teams will see. Speaking of putting stuff on tape, Mike, though, our other bit of Ty Cats news comes off the field as the CFL has announced that a documentary about the Argos Ticats rivalry will air later this year, I believe it's sometime in the fall, titled Rivalries, the QEW series. This documentary is expected to be released in the autumn and will cover both the historical aspects of this rivalry while also focusing on both teams' lead-up to this year's Labor Day Classic. So this was announced a couple of weeks ago. It was officially, like, it, it was teased a couple of weeks ago. It was officially announced, I believe it was last week, what do you think about this? This is we always talk about the CFL not doing enough of this sort of outside different stuff. This is something different. I think it's pretty cool. What about you? I love it. I I'm a documentary guy. I love watching like documentaries about you know anything I'm interested in. So this is I find, right I find, at the top of go not ahead. to cut you off. I find sports documentaries. Did you watch the Manti Teo documentary on Netflix, a two parter that just came out? I watched most of it. Yes. Oh. Like now, I, I'm a Notre Dame fan. I was a big Manti Teo fan. A lot of people have, in, and now in the aftermath of seeing that thing, have revised their thinking from a decade ago. Where I've seen it being like, we probably crack jokes about him, and now we look like idiots. The the Last Dance document, like I love a good sports documentary, especially when it, when it's something mm-hmm. int- like I, I. The big thing is that uh, what's that show? The F1 show that everyone Drive to Survive, oh, right. Drive right. for Success, or whatever it's called that people are always using as like, this is what the CFL needs in something like this. I know this is going to air on TSN, but this is in that similar vein where you're going to get people, you're, you might attract different eyeballs than you would. Cause I know everyone was, was really high mm-hmm. on that, that uh, behind the R mm-hmm. uh, red blacks documentary thing that they did that like behind the scenes show they did this, this off season, but that was posted on their YouTube page that was posted on their website. This is going to air on TSN and likely air multiple times. Like you watch AEW almost every week after Dynamite ends, they play that goddamn Kenny Omega. Like what's what was that thing called? Something. What the, what was that series called? Birth of a Nation? No, not Birth of a Nation. Oh, uh, engraved on a nation, right? Engraved, engraved on, on a nation. nation. They play that, or they play one of those. Or they play side, um. They dark play, side of uh, the dark. Yeah, Dark Side of the Ring. Yeah. Dark Side of the Ring. That's what it is. So. I've seen the beginning of that Kenny Omega documentary. It must be a dozen times now because it seems like every third week that's what plays this documentary for the, for the, for this thing, it's going to play a lot. And I think that's only, that can only be good for you know, again, it's a small step, but I think it's a step in the right direction. But anyway, get, I want you to get back to your, your thought. I, I completely cut you off and then stole two minutes of your time. Um, your documentary guy, you said. Right. Yes. Uh, yeah. Sports documentaries, anything I'm interested in, music documentaries, I, I think they're great. So to have, you know, a Tiger Cats, Argonauts documentary, I think it's well overdue. I mean, this this rivalry has been around forever. Uh, one of the oldest rivalries in sports. So it deserves to get um, its treatment. You know, the, it deserves to be 
uh, on a one hour or however long it is documentary because it's going to be interesting stuff, I think. I hope they do a really good job with it because, like you said, with the F1 thing, and I, I know that, um, you know, the CFL doesn't have the reach as, uh, you know, as an F1. Um, it's more of like a global type thing. And it was struggling a little bit before that documentary. Now it's it's doing really well. I don't think it's going to have that impact, obviously. I mean, it's the CFL still and everyone, you know, people hate the CFL. They're not going to watch a documentary and be, you know, change their mind about it. Um, so, but but that being said, I think it's great. And I'm going to be glued to my television set when it's uh, being played. Yeah, the only thing that, that I'm, and upset's not the right word, but it seems like it's only an hour long. And I feel like you could get so much more i feel like like a series right i think i think you could do a series like i think that would be the ultimate if you did like sort of what what's that heart like not not necessarily like hard knocks but in a similar vein to that where you kind of follow the team they did it with hockey i think hbo did it where they did like Mm -hmm. uh i think the leafs had one and and you know what i mean like a lead up to like a big game yep i can't remember what it was called but i know that they did and it gave you the behind the scenes stuff kind of in here's what we're going towards I hope this is the first of many, like not necessarily t- like you have to do one on, on you have to do a Banjo Bowl one. You got to do the Battle of Alberta like you could do these on, especially if it's going to be under like this rivalries. Like I'm just thinking of rivalries sort of things like, you know, they got to do an, a Joe Cap, even though he's passed Angelo Mosca, like an hour long documentary on that beef. Like, I think that would that would attract viewers like this feels like if this. And it feels like this is them dipping their toes in the water, so to speak. If this does well, and I can't see it not, because like, if you look at sort of the clips that the because it's being, um, I don't know if it's produced or it's in conjunction with Uninterrupted Canada, which is the Canadian version of Uninterrupted, which is like an athlete-centric uh, American media thing. If you've looked at the clips that they've kind of put out there, little mini teasers and trailers, it looks pretty damn high quality. Like this does not look like some dude running around shooting a thing on a, on a, you know, iPhone four, like this looks like mm-hmm. they put some time and effort into this. I know that I, from, from reading the press release, it looks as if uh, McLeod Bethel Thompson, Enoch Mwamba, Dane Evans, and Simone Lawrence are going to kind of be the focus of, of the modern era. So I guess it's going to kind of focus on those guys leading up to the game. Sadly, maybe the Cats duo is not going to be playing in the game due to injury, but I just think that like, you're going to give Simone Lawrence, you're going to mic him up. And have him talking about like that's that's must see TV, man. Yeah, and the the thing that is really good about this is it's on TSN. Like like you said, mm-hmm. the uh, behind the R on YouTube and on their website, it just doesn't get clicks, man. Like on YouTube, it's like there's probably like 300 people that watch that. Um, so to get it on national television is a is a big deal uh, because people are, are going to watch. Like the CFL pulls in really good numbers on TV. It's it's really a mind, uh, you know, it boggles my mind mm-hmm. how they can have really good ratings and have the perception that they have. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I agree. You know I mean, like people watch, but then if you go ask some random dude, he'd be like, oh, the CFL sucks. Like, yep. 90% of sports fans will say that in this country. I, it's it. I don't I don't get it. <laughs> I really don't. Um, but yeah, the, the social media presence of the CFL is non-existent. Um you know, the people, they put stuff out on Twitter, it might get 100 likes. You know, after a victory, like, teams get 100 likes. Yeah. Like, it's like they're, they're just not popular with young people at all. Like, not even, like, even in the strong 
cities like Hamilton and Ottawa and Saskatchewan and Winnipeg, I'm sure most of the young people will say that the CFL is trash. Um, so, you know, they, they're, 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 uh, the CFL is uh, a beaten down brand that has been uh, made fun of for decades. And I just don't see them, you know, this rivalry is, is a good thing. You know, the documentary is a good thing, but, you know, it's not going to make a difference. It might not, but if it, it, you got, I, I will give them credit for trying something. Oh, of course. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I, I'm glad trying everything, but yeah, I don't think anything's going to work, to be honest with you. It, it might not, I just not, think but, that the perception of the league is so awful that you're just not going to get new fans anymore. You know what? Part of me agrees with you, but part of me also thinks if we were having this conversation in 1995 about the WWF, nothing's ever going to, this is, this is a dead brand. They're, they're circling the toilets. They're going out of business. They're Where do they out. operate though, Josh? Okay. I, I get that. Okay. Well, Canada, people hate Canadian things. Okay. It's just, we're never going to be, you know, the MLS, we're never going to be them. We're never going to have a franchise worth 600 million or a billion dollars. We live in Canada. We'll always be worth nothing or very I, little. I will. Okay, that's a fair point. Being being an American media giant does does give you a lot more leeway. Because who's gonna pay for anything? Like, yeah, no one like is Apple. Well, here's Apple the thing: gonna put like three billion dollars for CFL content. You no, know, you but, have to have teams in America. You just do. Yeah, the thing is though, is you mention like television ratings. Like the the American television ratings are really strong for the CFL for something that I believe ESPN shows the games. They have they they have no hand in producing. They literally just take the TSN feed and throw it on ESPN two or ESPN News or when any of the billions of ESPN. Yeah. Like and they I, will never pay anything for those rights. They might not, but they if if they pay something, like if you can if you can, you you never know what's going to hit. Essentially, like I, I I do agree with you that there's probably the idea that the CFL will ever be a multi million dollar you know, entity is probably, it's never going to happen. And I think, because we're going to talk about him in a second, Nathan Rourke, he's been the best story in the league this year. And has it made that much of a difference? Like, that's a Canadian None. guy. It None. hasn't made a ton of difference. It's been exciting for fans to watch. I, I'm bummed out that he's hurt because it's, it's made me willing to stay up till 10 o'clock at night to watch BC Lions games because he's been so damn entertaining. I don't know if... You're right. The perception of this league, the brand's been so badly damaged by some mismanagement, some just the conversation around like we're always talking about the problems in the CFL. And I think that that does a little bit of damage to it. Not that we should ignore the problems. There's just. I I feel like and I think years ago we talked about this. If we just accept the CFL for what it is. Not like there's there's you you brought it up. There's no converting pe people who don't like the league or think it's second nature or second rate or whatever. You're never going to convert them no matter what. That's why way back when we were talking about going to four downs, I was like, that's not going to bring any new fans in. Like no one, no one doesn't watch the Canadian football league because it's three downs. And if they say they do and you change it to four, they'll come up with another reason not to watch. I don't know if there's ever going to be, I don't, not, not that I don't know. I don't think there's ever going to be a time when the CFL is going to be this, massive prosperous multi-million close to a billion dollar entity i think that that the idea of that is is gone if if 
if they can just keep themselves because I think they can be financially successful within Canada, it's it's not overreaching too much. And I think something like this, which seems probably not very expensive to make, quite frankly, is like a step in the right. Because if you get these things on television, you get them because you never know. Someone could be watching Sports Center, they fall asleep, they wake up because it could get like I don't have a ton of interest in some of the sports documentaries I watch, but sometimes, you know, you're sitting there looking for something to watch. And you're like, Oh, I guess I'll watch this thing about tennis or I'll watch this thing about golf. And you, you get sucked in. It can happen with this. Maybe someone's watching sports center and they, they go and this shows about that and they go and make themselves a cup of coffee or grab a bite to eat. And then this, this QEW series show starts and they start watching that. And they go, oh, this is kind of like, you know, you never know what could capture someone's imagination. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And they tried it, whatever. At least yeah. they, at least they gave it an, an attempt. I, I think, your your larger point of the CFL just being, it's almost as if we need to just accept the fact that it is what it is, and I think the the talk of doing all these other things to make it bigger than than it is, I it does feel a little bit like a waste. But I don't feel as if they shouldn't still try to do oh, yeah. something to to make themselves to try something new. This is something new, and I'm all for it. Yeah, I, I'm totally. I think they should try everything they can, and you know, prove me wrong. But I just, it's just how I feel. Like, and I don't want it to be that way. I want the CFL to be massive. I want it to be, I want to be able to talk with people about the CFL and, you know, not get laughed at or something by telling them that I enjoy it. So I think they should, this is a great thing. They should do, you know, lots of these things because there's lots of stories to be told oh, yeah. about the CFL. There's tons of shit. Well, that's what I was going to, to, what I was gonna to ask. What, what, like, yeah. is there, there's got to be something that you'd like to see immortalized in a documentary. Well, this is kind of negative, but I'd love to see a thing on the American expansion. The American expansion? I think that'd be great. I think there would be so many interesting stories there. I mean, um, what the, what was the book I read? It was uh, something Border Wars, but it was oh, about and, the American end expansion. Oh, End Zones and Border Wars? That's what it was, yeah. Yeah, so great there, book. There was a lot of juicy stories in there, interesting stuff um, that could be put on a documentary. So there's... You know, my first choice would be the Ty Cats Argonauts um, documentary. Like, I, that's what I really want to see, or just a Ty Cats documentary in itself. And I know they did those back in the day, but you mm-hmm. know, they could be updated now. So, yeah, there's there's lots of stuff. Um, even one on like the failed expansions attempts to go into Halifax. You know, you could do a whole documentary on that. Even though I, you know, I wouldn't really want to watch that, but there'd be some interesting stuff in there as well. So. Uh, you know, and you mentioned, you know, just doing some of the rivalries like Cap and Mosca and, you know, all that, all that old stuff. Doug, that, Doug Flutie uh, versus, uh, oh, what was the owner? What was the owner in Calgary uh, that in did Calgary. Pay Larry, Larry Rickman? Yeah, yeah, I think that's the name. What about a documentary about how Rocket Ismail ended up with the Argos and the whole yeah. story? Like a documentary, I know there's a book out there on the 91 Argos. Not many, like, it's... Some people don't like to read a documentary on the 91 Argos, like kind of like that, the, the trade that brought Dunnigan there. Like that was a massive, wasn't like a 10 or 12 person deal that sent Dunnigan to the Argos. Like Tracy Ham was involved, if I'm not mistaken. And that's something that Americans would be interested in too, because when was, you know, the only time in history that the CFL stole yeah. a projected number one pick away from the NFL. Yeah. Which is, which is weird. Cause like, I remember like they said that and I was like, would he have been the top pick? Like, I know he was, like, the best player in college football, and I remember, like, that was sort of when I started really getting into football, and Rocket played for Notre Dame, and he was my favorite player. I, what do you, because, 
receivers don't tend to go number one very often, but you know, it was 30 something years ago. So maybe it was different, Yeah. but you have that, you, you get the, you get the Wayne Gretzky aspect. You have all the Bruce McNall stuff in the aftermath, like with all the fraud and the going to jail. That's an interesting story. John Candy, of course, obviously, sadly, he's, he won't be around, but I don't know, man, that a 90, a documentary on 91 Argos, you can, you can show how they got their tails kicked in by the, by the Ticats that year, even though Ticats are terrible. Like you said it, there's a lot of interesting stories uh, that, that have not been told that could be told. I hope this is somewhat successful or at least successful enough to continue this on. Cause yeah, I, I do think that there is a, a plethora of interesting stories that, like I said, you never know what could capture someone's imagination and it, it's worth, it's worth the shot. But before we move on the uninterrupted Canada Twitter account, which I, I think is helping produce a documentary sent out a tweet earlier today, Mike, on Tuesday, asking which team had the more passionate fan base, the Argos or the Ticats. Now, I say good on them for bringing more attention to this documentary because you know that Ticat fans are going to go nuts about this and Argo fans are going to troll the hell out of Ticats fans about this. And I hate that we're going to play right into their hands, but we are. This is a stupid question to ask. Is there any way that it's even close as to which fan base is more passionate between these two teams? Maybe if you would have asked this question in the 1970s, it would be pretty close, I think, because the Argonauts had a really passionate fan base back then. They used to sell out uh, Exhibition Stadium, but but nowadays it's it's not even close. Not even close. Uh, in numbers, in in you know, if you want to measure it in in passion, uh, you know, the Tiger Cats just kick the crap out of the Argonaut fans. Uh, not literally. <laughs> Sometimes literally. <laughs> well, uh, not anymore. That, that's not about anymore. 30, 40 years ago. Not anymore. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's not even in a – I don't know if Uninterrupted Canada doesn't really know that, that dynamics of the fan base. Oh, no. They knew exactly what they were doing. Okay, they that's knew fair. exactly what they were doing. Yeah. So, obviously, it's the Tiger Cats. Here's the thing. You have to be a pretty damn passionate fan to cheer for a team that hasn't won a championship in 23 years they're not going to win one this year i don't care if they go on the run of all runs they're not winning the great cup this year if they do i'll happily eat my words i don't see it happening it's going to go you on shave to- your legs like i did well i shave my legs one leg you know what here's what i'll do you know what no here's what i'll do if the tie cats right. win the great cup this year i will shave my beard Ooh, i like it i like that i have <clears throat> not i have not had a razor touch this face in almost 12 years, I will shave my beard. Now I'll cut off it. my I, left foot. <laughs> cut off your left foot. You're that yeah. confident. I'm that confident. No, I, I will. I will shave. I will. I don't know if, how, where we'll do it. Maybe we'll have to. Maybe we'll wait. You know what we'll do? No, because that's too long. I was going to say we'll wait until next year's Grey Cup when we're both here and we could do it live in you front just, of people. Just wait. shave it and throw a picture up on uh, on Twitter. I'll, and do then... before, I'll do a before and after. I'll do a before of a of a bearded me and a freshly shaven me if the Ticats win the Grey Cup. But they're not going to win the Grey Cup this year. It's going to go into 23, going into 24 years since they won a championship. You have to be pretty darn passionate, pretty darn loyal to cheer for a team that long that disappoints you year in and year out. The Argos, for all their flaws, they've won championships. They've won, what, three in that span, I believe? Uh, 04, what was it, 04, 2012, 2017? Um, 2017 probably feels like a long time ago for those guys, but they've won championships. So it's like you, yeah, maybe you're the beaten up franchise, beaten up fan base because you're so small and people always pick on you about that. 
But there's nothing quite like having to cheer for a team that is perpetually letting you down. It's it's almost as if heartbreak is the only thing Ticat fans understand right now and have for a very long time. So as far as so I'm many concerned, years. <laughs> if you are a fan of a team that loses, especially loses so excruciatingly sometimes mm-hmm. and get your hopes up and they just crash down back to earth, you have to be more passionate than, than, than any other team. Like maybe Ryder fans are more passionate, like in general, because they've also been kind of the losers. Like they've, they, they have won a couple great cups since the Ticats last one, one, but they've also been kind of underdogs, losers beaten up. They all, Similar thing where they get close and they fail, but they've unfortunately for their fans have won a couple in that span. It's it's hard to to not consider yourself the most passionate when you just when you know going into every season, yeah, they're gonna win, but they're not gonna win. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh and and not that Hamilton hasn't had his down years of an attendance, you know, back in the day before Bob Young. Or we're not denying that, but you know, we came back, right? Yeah. We came back, and uh, they did not. They've been struggling for years and years, and we don't have to beat a dead horse about this issue. But, uh, yeah, it's when you're playing at home and, you know, the, the visiting team's fans are louder and, you know, close to as many in the, in the stadium, there, there's not a question. I agree. All right, let's move on to CFL News, Mike, and the biggest item of the week is the devastating news that budding superstar quarterback Nathan Rourke will be out indefinitely after suffering a Liz Frank injury in BC's win over the Saskatchewan Rough Riders last weekend. Rourke, as we touched upon just a little uh, uh, above, had been the story of the 2022 CFL season. He took the league by storm in week one and kind of never looked back. He leads the league in passing yards. He has almost seven, over 700 more yards the McLeod Bethel Thompson, who is second in, in passing yards. He has 25 passing touchdowns, which is seven more than Zach Caleros. And is almost, you mentioned this before the show, I'm going to bring it up. That's almost as many as most guys have in a season. We looked it up. In 2019, McLeod Bethel Thompson led the league in touchdown passes with 26. Rourke, after nine games, had 25. His completion percentage at almost 80% is 10 points higher than Caleros's as well. I don't think it's it's... Too strong to say that Rourke was on his way to being the first Canadian to win most outstanding player since John Cornish in 2013 and the first Canadian quarterback to win since Russ Jackson all the way back in 1969. The CFL has a hard time generating buzz and Rourke was was starting to generate a little bit, especially in a market like Vancouver, which has, has notoriously in the last few years been really difficult for them to crack. But the Lions have been good. Rourke has been leading the way. His injury, this is just terrible news both for the team, but also as for the league as a whole, is it not? Like, this is just, this was the story of the season. Halfway through, it's now kaput. That just sucks. It absolutely sucks. Nathan Rourke, Canadian-American, he was the best quarterback we've seen up here in uh, in quite a while, I'd say. You can talk about Bo by mitchell and uh, Michael Riley. And, and he was guys blowing were, them at, the stats, he, the numbers he was putting up. Yeah. Blowing not even the close. Ball. Not, not even, even close. The efficiency in which he was passing as well, like close to eighty yeah. percent. Like that's unheard of. So to lose this guy, I'm sure the ratings will start to drop uh, for BC Lions games because, um, and, and, you know, I see all these people saying that there's such a buzz in, in BC, that, but why is nobody coming to the games? They had thirty-five thousand people for the first game. And there, yeah, there was a One Republic concert, and they were one of the hottest bands in the world at the time. Um, but twenty thousand people said went to that game. They blew the blew the the Elks out of the water. The offense looked great. Twenty thousand people said 
nah, I'm not going to go to the next one. And then 20,000 other people said, nah, I'm not going to go to the next one after that. So they lost 20,000 fans from the first game. And they're basically back to their numbers, what they were a couple years ago. So where's this buzz in BC? Like, why are these people not showing up? And I'm sick of the excuses. Oh, there were cottages, traffic, blah, blah. If there was an MLB team in Vancouver, that place would be packed every single day. You know what I mean? Like, I'm so sick of people saying the cottage excuse and the traffic excuse. It's just because people don't they don't care about the CFL. Even if you have a Canadian quarterback putting up Doug Flutie-like numbers, you can't get more than 16,000 people out to your stadium. Pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. So there's no buzz in BC, or people would be showing up. So about Rourke's injury. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I keep seeing this... Everyone's saying in Vancouver that there's such a buzz, but they, they get Argo's numbers out to the games, basically. Like 3,000 more people. But anyways, yeah, go ahead. I don't even know where to go from here. You completely hijacked this with your friend. <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> well, it's true. 35,000 people were at that first game, and 20,000 of them said, I'm not going to come back. It's a work in progress. It. Again, much like you, you said, the, the brand has been so badly damaged that it's going to take, I think, more than a half a season worth of and this you, to... You know what? It's it's good for the CFL, I suppose, yeah, that Nathan Rourke goes to the NFL, per- perception-wise. Um, but, like, really, is that good for the CFL? I mean, the USFL... I don't I don't buy that. Uh, you know what? That, that, people, people keep saying that, that it's good for the league. I don't buy that argument that it's good for the league. Like, you do I. I... I get like you're saying from like a like from a recruiting other players like mm-hmm. look we had this guy he went we were able to but it's like is the CFL if the CFL wants to market itself as we're training guys to get to the NFL I think that you're moving in the wrong direction like we all talked about in the, in the whole XFL thing well you don't just want to be a feeder league for the NFL but if the idea that Rourke moving to this to the NFL after one great season is great for the league, then you're essentially just admitting you're a feeder league for the NFL. Like, mm-hmm. at, at what point do you then just say to hell with it, to hell with Canadian rules? Let's just let's just be that. Like, it doesn't. I, I get, like you said from a perception standpoint, I kind of understand it. But wouldn't it be better for the CFL if players like this could make more money here and you know stay here build and build a fan base? You know, like people who thought that, that, that they might go out and see Nathan Rourke are like, well, they can't now because he's injured, obviously. But yeah, I don't. I, I just don't see how it's good for the league. You have a superstar player. He's Canadian. How's it good for the league for him to go to the NFL and never come back? And especially because all people are saying is, oh, he can go play for the Seahawks. The Seahawks are shit. Yeah. And I don't think he's not going to save the Seahawks. No, Nathan Burke is not going down. No. And like, look, I would, I, because it's going to come off as negative. I never, I I just want to make this point clear before I say my next point. I never judge anyone for wanting to go play in the biggest league for the most money. But Nathan Rourke, to me, is not a top 10 NFL quarterback. Nathan Rourke, he, he's been playing the CFL version of Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, slinging it, having a good time. If he was starting for the Seahawks or the, even a team, let, let, let's pick a good team. A team with, if he was playing for the 49ers and they played the Bills, the Bills would mop the floor with him. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, and that's nothing against Nathan Rourke. There are players who are just 
there are, I'm sure he's better than quarterbacks in the NFL. He, I think he's better than Daniel Jones, who plays for the Giants. I think he's better than Drew Locke, who plays for the Seahawks, and Geno Smith, who plays. Like, he would be a starter. But are you telling me that he's going to go down there and be a top 10 player and become a franchise quarterback? I don't think so. Like, even the great – think of Doug Flutie. Now, granted, he was a lot older. But Doug Flutie went to the CF – or went to the NFL and was great by all respects. The Bills didn't want him, didn't play him in a playoff game. He goes to San Diego. They have him for a year. They draft his replacement in Drew Brees. Like, when's the last time we've seen a Canadian quarterback? Jeff Garcia, maybe. But even then, he got too expensive for the Niners. They let him go, and then he bounced around from team to team until his career came to an end. Like, now, those guys obviously went down much older. Like, Flutie especially was in his, like, late 30s. You know what I mean? When he went down the NFL for a second opportunity. And I guess, you know, Rourke being 24. But... If Nathan Rourke was that well thought of in NFL circles, he never would have went to the Lions to begin with. He went to Ohio University, put up bonkers numbers in college. No one, still no one wanted. Like, I just, I don't know. I, I, I yeah, I get what you're saying. As, like, good he, as, he, as good as he's been, I don't think he's going down to the NFL and being a, a franchise quarterback. He's, he's at yeah. best a spot starter. You know, he's a Ryan Fitzpatrick type. Like, maybe he'll make a lot of money, but he's not someone that a team's going to give a, five-year, $200 million contract to, to resurrect a franchise. Now, like you said, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't drafted. He wasn't, he was brought into some camps. Is it correct that he was changed? They wanted to change him to a receiver? Yeah, I think NFL so. I think, he worked, I, think, I think he went to mini camps and worked out as a receiver, yeah. So uh, I don't know if, if NFL scouts are going to look at his seven or eight games in the CFL and be like, he's going to be our starter. Now I could see him going down there being like a second, third string guy, and maybe he gets his chance to be the first, uh, to be a number one quarterback down there eventually, but I don't see it happening right away. And I could see the benefit of him staying up for staying in, uh, in Vancouver for another year. Now I know if, you know, the window is very small and you have to take your chances whenever you can get them, but I don't know, man, I just feel like he could be such a star in Vancouver or anywhere in the CFL that, and I know that's not going to sway him because it's the NFL, and he's probably dreamed about pl- playing in the NFL since he was a little kid. Apparently, um, he so. apparently he hasn't. I think no? Farhan Lalji tweeted out that he never really had dreams of playing in the NFL, which is shocking to me. Was he dream? What was he dreaming let me, about? Let me playing? see. If, let me see if I can find the tweet. You, I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, you saying that it reminded me of something. But yeah, yeah, keep keep going with it. I don't. I have no idea what he dreamed of doing then. Yeah, I mean, if he maybe he was dreaming of a different sport, maybe he had a different sport in mind growing up. But I, I mean, he grew up in Oakville, right? Or did he? He was born in Oakville, he was, and then he was born. He was Victoria. born in Vancouver. He was born in somewhere in BC. Victoria? Grew up in Oakville. Yeah, it'd be nice to know, like if he if he was a CFL fan growing up, just just like for no reason other than I'd like to know if he cheered for the Tide Cats or you know because he's kind of in the area. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just don't. I don't know if if he's going to be as successful in the NFL as everyone, you know, is, is already making him out to be. I, I don't think he's, I mean, like, he's been, he's the, he has an incredible arm. His accuracy is phenomenal. I, I'm not saying that he can't play down there. I just don't know. Sometimes politics come into play in the NFL. Sometimes you just don't get a shot, right? Just yep. because you tear it up in the CFL doesn't mean that automatically you're going to get a, you know, a big signing bonus and all that stuff to play in the NFL. I, I can't find crap. I can't find the tweet. I should have. That's, that's right. I saw it and I was just like, I was going to say, I was actually going to send it to you, 
when I saw it and I was like, oh, this because I knew that that was going to be a talking point for you. Him him growing up wanting to play in the NFL. And I was like, mm-hmm. I see here that he does it. And I just cannot for the life of me find the damn thing. If I uh, if I eventually do find it, I will send it to you so that you can. You can you, I can you can prove that I didn't make it up, but I swear I saw a tweet where he said that he didn't dream of playing in the NFL. So, I yeah, I just can't find it. Damn it. OK, anyway, I just I don't know to get it back to like what it means for this season. Does this not remind you, though, of, of Zach Caleros's injury in 2015? Like, I know the Lions might not have been like the. The runaway favorites to win the Grey Cup because Winnipeg still exists, but this feels like and I know that they're they're saying all the right things about being confident in Michael O'Connor to to fill in for him. But this just feels like a once in a lifetime season from a guy going down the tube due to injury and sinking everything. I know the Ticats got to the East final that year, but with Caleros, they would have won the Grey Cup. I, you, there is nothing anyone can ever say that will convince me otherwise that 2015 Ticats team in an alternate timeline where Caleros doesn't get hurt, doesn't roll to a championship. They were that good. These Lions maybe don't roll to a championship because they still have... Winnipeg to get past, but they looked as dominant as the Ticats did in 2015. And they were clearly the the second, it, it was them and Winnipeg head, head to head, right? Like one of those two teams in, in your mind with Rourke there, were probably going to win the championship this year for him to, for, for this injury to happen. It feels almost as devastating as to the lions as that Caleros was once to the Ticats for me. Yeah. And I think that is just like an overall blow to the league more so. Because um, don't get me wrong, Caleros was tremendous <clears throat> that season, and I'm with you. I think they would have won the Grey Cup. They offensively they were looking tremendous. Defensively they were looking great. Special teams they still had. I think Speedy B was still back there returning returning balls. So they were they were on their way. But the, this feels like you know the BC Lions were getting big ratings on TSN. Um, I think that's going to drop. I think it's a it's it's going to hurt the league a lot. You know on TV in the stands because. You know, I was excited. I'm not sure when BC's coming to Edmonton, but I was excited to go see him play. Now that's probably not going to happen. Um, so, and I'm sure that a lot of fans felt the same way that they were going to go out and see uh, Nathan, not in BC because, you know, they don't really care, I guess. But um, in like, you know, actual football cities, they were going to come out and watch this guy play. Yeah, it's it's just, uh, it's a bummer. He was must-see TV this year, and it just, it absolutely sucks that... Lions ratings were up because people wanted to watch him play. I mentioned Pat, like he, he, to me in the CFL this year, he was, he was Josh Allen. He was that guy. Not that he's anywhere near as talented as Josh Allen, but he was that guy that you just, when he was playing, you just wanted to see what he could do. And almost every single game, he, he failed to disappoint. He was great pretty much with the exception of maybe the first game against they played the, the bombers. The only loss they had, he wasn't, spectacular in that one and then the one that we had to watch because we were playing the Ticats wasn't exactly lighting the world on fire in that one either but other than that he was he was phenomenal this uh this is just an absolute bummer and like why does this keep happening like you mentioned injuries and it's like we've had like we've had some great great quarterbacking seasons believe I mentioned a couple of good ones uh Mike Riley Michael Riley had a couple of good ones but this was the first one in a while since maybe Caleros in 2015 that really felt like we're watching the ascension of a superstar. You know what I mean? Like we're watching someone go from what does this guy have? You know, Caleros 2014 got the Ticats to the gray cup. He was pretty good. And then 2015 took that next step. And then it took him a long time to get back there. You know what I mean? Like 
terrible 2016 in Hamilton coming back from the injury. Didn't do all that well in Saskatchewan. It took him bouncing around from Saskatchewan to Toronto to Winnipeg. And now we're kind of seeing him. Now he's in his mid thirties. It's not as, it's not as headline generating as it would have been seven years ago. If he would have stayed at that level and then more than likely maintained it throughout his tenure in Hamilton, this was the first time kind of since then, I think that we've seen a player take that, that, next leap and to see him do it in his first season to see him be a canadian to see he was going to win most outstanding player like to see all those things and have it come crashing down it just blows like i don't think there's really any other way to put it it just blows yeah and it just it makes the western division a lot less interesting as well because you know you had the juggernaut of like it feels like winnipeg's now just just pencil them in as the great just give it to them that's right yeah exactly he's like you know BC had only lost one game, I think, or they only had yeah, one. Yeah, they only lost one game. Two so only game they lost. They were they were in the hunt for that first place, and now you know Calgary. Calgary's good, don't get me wrong, but they're they're just not on not the on level their- of the of BC. So unless Michael O'Connor can come in and uh, you know even if he comes in and does like half the job of what uh, Nathan Rourke was doing, uh, they could probably be a pretty successful team. But that's that's the thing, right? And Michael O'Connor is no slouch you know he has credentials as well mm-hmm. penn states um i know he didn't play there long but he came back and won a vignette cup for um the bc Thunderbirds. Yeah, um, UBC, ubc yeah there you go so i mean this guy has a, has a pretty good pedigree as well so let's see what he can do i don't think it's going to be even close to what nathan Rourke can do but maybe he's a capable quarterback and can uh keep this team together because they are a talented group they are I, I drastically under underrated how talented BC was because they, they had Riley for all those, what was it, two seasons? And their offensive line was terrible and they were terrible. And it just felt like you're starting uh, essentially a rookie quarterback. I know he was with the team last year, had a couple of starts, but he was essentially a rookie second year. Did they really do a ton to, you know what I mean? Like I, it didn't feel as if they did enough, but he was enough. He was the driving force. And sometimes when you have that, pardon me, when you have that quarterback, he makes the other deficiencies mean less because he can do so much more just by himself. Now, do you think there's? Do you think the CFL has a problem with quarterbacks? Like we don't yeah. have good ones anymore. I do. I think the CFL is a superstar problem because yeah. I've, I've been thinking about this for for a while, and I nearly wrote a piece about it, but I was like, ah, let me see how this season. And this was before the season. Who's Okay, we'll take Nathan Rourke out of it because Nathan Rourke, I think, based on his play this year, superstar would be a fair descriptor of what he is. Mm-hmm. Who's who's the? Okay, now let's. Okay, don't snap or or in the perfect world where CFL players are marketable. Who's the guy that would be the face of the video game if not Nathan Rourke? So remember, preseason we didn't know what Rourke was going to be. Who's the guy on the? Who's the guy that you're like? oh, we can put this guy on the cover of our video game or we can put this guy on the cover of a magazine or we can put this guy in, an, in a major national advertising campaign. Everyone's lo- – like there's, there's locally popular guys like, you right. know, Hamilton S. Simone. Maybe he's he's one of those guys. Willie Jefferson maybe. I feel as if the league is lacking a true superstar. Rourke came like along – Like an offensive a- superstar, right? Like a guy you can – like people can get excited. Like one guy that comes to mind is Lucky Whitehead. Um, sure. that could be a superstar. Um, you know, he has that exciting nature to his game. Uh, yep. he's very fun to watch and all that stuff, but he, but he's not a superstar. He's not known no. across the country. So, 
Um, I think there's potential there, but he he's not. There's a lot of older, like we're Michael Riley and Bo Levi Mitchell, I think were superstars in that vein five and six years ago. Bo is a shell of himself. Riley's out of the out of the league. Brandon Banks, superstar, but didn't really have like like I just I just think of like guys that like I said put you put on the cover of a video game. There are number and again more teams, more players, more more. I get, I get all that. I'm saying in the perfect world with the CFL, it was Nathan Rourke and then maybe Zach Caleros. But even Zach Caleros is kind of like he's, he's more. In, he's not. He, he doesn't move the needle. You know what I mean? No. And like I think he's that not that, exciting to watch necessarily. You know no, what I mean? He's not he, like a Doug Flutie or something yeah. like that. Well, that's what I mean. Back in the '90s, and again, maybe we you know pontificate about and you know glorify our our youth, but. You had Tracy Ham, you had Matt Dunnigan, you had Doug Flutie, you had David Archer, you had Damon Allen, you had Danny McManus. Like you had superstar quarterbacks. The league does not, they have a lot of, I think they had, Work was the guy, then slightly under him is Caleros. Caleros gets sort of the notch just because he's done it longer, but not a knock your socks off player. You got Bo based on his pedigree. Then you got a lot of guys that are kind of just guys. And that includes Dane Evans. That includes Vernon Adams and Trevor Harris and Mazzoli. Like th- Jeremiah Mazzoli. Like th- like McLeod. But there's there are Argo fans that vehemently defend McLeod Bethel Thompson. If he was their quarterback pre or post Doug Flutie, he would have been run out of town on a rail. He he's ju- he's fine in this version of the CFL. Perfectly capable of being a starting quarterback. Brings absolutely zero. The, there there's not aside from Rourke. There's not one player in the league that I think you go, I got to make sure that I see him play. And we've had that in the past. Even when the CFL was was down in the dump, you had players. Milt Stiegel could generate, like, you know what I mean? Like, G. Roy Simon, Kerry Joseph. Like, again, maybe these guys are Anthony Calvillo. In, in CFL circles, those are guys that you would tune in to watch. So Anthony Calvillo was a superstar. Yeah. If, if if the CFL had a video game, Anthony Calvillo would have been on the cover. Mm. Darian Durant would have been on the cover. Andy Fantuz would have been on the cover. You don't have that now. And I don't think we've had it for quite some time. I think it's been a few years since we had a guy that you would – Henry Burris, superstar. Who's a super – there's no superstars right now. And I think that's one <clears> of the big <throat> problems with this league is that there's no one that has sort of transcended – and not even – maybe transcend is not the right word, but you know what I mean? Like there's no one who's – put themselves above everyone else with the exception of the season of Nathan Rourke. But prior to the season starting, it was, it was a lot of really good players. I don't necessarily think that there's one that you would have said, Oh, if I'm doing a, I don't know, a toothpaste ad, I'd put this guy in it because he's, you know what I mean? You know what I mean by that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I get you. And you know, even guys like back in the day, you know, special teamers like Henry Gizmo Williams, like he would bring fans and you wouldn't even see them now. He would return, you know, depending on how many punts or kickoffs mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, but he just had that excitement. You had to be Chris there Williams. to see him. Chris Williams, guys Superstar. like that, that that bring people into the stands. Who you just have to see um, who does something like every single game that excites you. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not really seeing that. And if there are, then they leave very quickly. Yeah. So you know, don't play too well. Um, or you'll and be gone in the NFL. The, no. You think that's the problem is if guys play too well, they get that NFL look. So they're it's more of yeah, now I they've kind of settled into this sort of 
if you're not an older player, like I think Caleros is 32, 33, 34, Bo's, you know, same, same sort of age. Those guys are even no matter how good they play, they're not getting like you're not no NFL team's gonna pick up a thirty five year old quarterback who's played ten years professionally, had a bunch of knee surgeries. Right. And that's a, that's the crazy thing about Doug Foodie back in the day because yeah. he was thirty six, thirty six yeah. when he went down there. So yeah. yeah. And it was still great. It was still still like, great. Yeah. Led the league led, uh, led the Bills to the playoffs for the yeah. first time in many years and then yeah, didn't probably would have won it. Probably yeah. would have won that playoff game. I'm still convinced. But that that's something I've so, been yeah. I've been batting around in my head for a while is the idea that the league lacks sort of a super those upper level superstar players that other leagues around the world again more money or not there still should be now there's a lack of marketing in the CFL in general like some of these guys should be getting endorsement opportunities or be allowed to get endorsement opportunities that aren't but you know what right. i mean there's just there's just this even if you look at even if you keep the CFL what it is like i watch like you watch well, we watch the CFL on TSN how why are there no ads featuring CFL players? Don't tell me that you can't have local ads in Saskatchewan in like, did you those stupid save on foods commercials? You're telling me you can't throw a Zach Caleros or right. you know what I, I don't mean? think they're official sponsor of the league though. The, Cause they don't mention the CFL, but you know, they don't, they don't have, but you, you know what I've seen, I saw, I wish I could remember the quarterback, but there was some, I think it was Eli Manning who did like a watch commercial, but it wasn't endorsed by the NFL. So he just wore like vague football, like wore a helmet and shoulder pads and a jersey. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. New York I Giants. You. you don't need they don't need to be in their CFL gear. You can just have like Zach Caleros can show up at a in a, in a Save on Foods commercial with a blue jersey with a gold number and is you know what I mean? Like you don't have mm. to make it. He doesn't. It doesn't have to be CFL affiliated. It could be like you know what I mean? Like tell me that those Save on Foods commercials, not necessarily that they'd be better, but that they wouldn't. You can't use those to market some of your players. Mm -hmm. Now, is that a thing that do you think that companies don't want CFL players marketing their their stuff? I, why would Save on Foods? Is Save on Foods going to lose money because Zach Caleros or Willie Jefferson is an ad versus some uh, random no name actors? I don't think they would. I don't, know. I don't think and so I either. But but more. why? But why aren't they then? Like, but okay, so I, I can't imagine the CFL is. You think the CFL is holding them back from doing them? But even locally, how like how many times like. Uh, I'm not sure what local NFL team you get out there. Vikings, maybe. But I, right. I, they always have those like local, like, uh, yeah, like the car used dealers. car ads, used car ads, and they stuff like that. A bunch of used car ads. Ed Oliver, you know what I mean? Like, Steve Tasker still does friggin' West Her New York. I can still hear the thing. He still does them to this day. He's been retired for 25 years. And he's still, because he had cachet in that community, you're telling me that someone like Joe Montford, like even if, you know what I mean? Like you can get, yeah. Simone Lawrence can't do a Tim Hortons commercial just for Hamilton. Simone that'd be great. You know, it, it, they sponsor the bloody field. Their names are on the soccer jerseys of the team that plays here. And yet you can't do localized ads, even just on the radio. Do a radio ad with Simone Lawrence, read it to Like I, I don't get it. Like why is this, this shouldn't be that tough a nut to crack. Like no. if you want people to like, and maybe someone says like, oh, I didn't know who that was. And again, this is pie in the sky thinking. They, they see a Save on Foods commercial with Bo Levi Mitchell in it, and they go, oh, I forgot about the CFL. Maybe they're a lapsed fan. And it, it, oh yeah, the Calgary Stampeders. Well, when did they? You know what I mean? Like even if it's just something in the back of their minds that gets them to watch one game, and maybe that, you know what I mean? Like you never know what's going to hit. The idea that they haven't even, or maybe they have tried, and we don't know. But you're telling me that these. 
there's advertisements and it's the same damn advertisements from the same damn companies every week that we see on television. They can't get some CFL players in those. It makes no sense to me. Uh, it doesn't make any sense to me either. Uh, I I don't know what the problem is. If it's, you know, the companies don't want the CFL players or, or there's just, there's no communication or what, but you know, it'd be nice to single out some players, market some players, you know, get some players on commercials that are playing not during CFL games. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you're just preaching to the choir with uh, CFL commercials during CFL games. I mean, the people are are watching because they like the CFL. They're not going to be, you know. That's Anyways, point. so yeah, I, I I'd love it. I love. I think the more marketing, the better. You know, like like you said, there's no superstars in this league, but there's guys that could potentially be. You know, there's guys that are exciting in this league. Maybe not to the extent of back in the day, but. You know, the more that they're out there in the public eye, the more that they could become superstars. The money's never going to be same in the NFL. It's just not. That's we that that ship has long since sailed. But you you want to keep guys here? Yeah, maybe you give your quarterback four hundred thousand, and then you get him another another four hundred on a national advertising campaign, or you get him a hundred thousand or fifty thousand or two hundred. You know what I mean? On a local, you know what? Mm-hmm. Like yep. those are ways. And, and there and and again, people are going. Oh, that's going. I don't have a problem. I would rather guys get these endorsement deals with money outside their contracts we see it in every other sport why can't it work up here yeah i know and and to go back to the thing about helping the perception of the league because nathan Rourke went to the nfl i mean the usf usfl put more players in the nfl than the cfl did last year Mm -hmm. is that going to help the usfl like are they going to be making gang buzz like are they going to be this big league now i don't think so and that's 50 players compared to one, you know, superstar that might go down there. Yeah. So I, I just don't think I like. I think it helps the perception of a league with football players that might come up and play because this guy made it to the NFL going through the CFL, but it doesn't help with the fan base or anything like that. 7-Eleven. 7-Eleven has a sponsorship deal with the CFL because I'm drinking out of a Hamilton Tiger Cats cup that's got a yeah. the team logo and the CFL logo on it right now. Yeah. Why are why why is there not a 7-Eleven commercial? And again, you 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 air them mostly during CFL games, but I'm sure that there's seven. Like I don't watch a lot of TSN outside of watching the CFL, and I guess the NFL too. You're telling me that those commercials wouldn't air during those broadcasts as well? Like, I don't know, man. It, to me, this this comes at this, and maybe we're you know cracking the code here, but this this is a lack of another lack of ingenuity. Whether it's through, like again, we could be totally off, and you're and you could be right, and it's no, no one wants to you have these guys on their commercials and then that's a whole other story for a whole other day. But until I'm told otherwise, I got to think that these opportunities yeah. should be there. If, if, if brands are, are, if brands are partnering with the league and brands are partnering with the station that airs the league to air commercials during those games, I don't feel like that brand would care, would, would be opposed to players being in those ads. I did like that, that now again, maybe that's silliness on my part, but that's, that, well, that, that just does, doesn't make sense to me. Why would yeah, yeah, they sponsor CFL and TSN? They have the touchdown to win thing, but they're like, no, 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 we can't have, I'm trying to I, name, name lucky whitehead in a commercial that seems silly to me. Yeah, it does. I mean, if you're sponsoring the league, then obviously like, you're not going to be embarrassed about having a and, CFL hey, player on your commercial. 
And then you have a giant Lucky Whitehead cut out in every save on foods in British Columbia. And you have a Bo Levi Mitchell one in every save. On, you know what I mean? Like as a display stand, like during CFL season, they do it with the NFL stuff. I, we, I remember when I was working at a grocery store, NFL season, I think it was Super Bowl time. There was a giant Rob Gronkowski cardboard cutout that went next to like the chips and pop display because Ruffles and Pepsi were the sponsors of the Super Bowl. So we had a Gronk thing and they put it up in the store. You're telling but me they love can't, that. Think, but think, <laughs> I, I like Gronk. Don't get me wrong. I, like, oh, he's okay. the one New England Patriot player right. that I actually liked. I tried to get it from my brother because my brother's always been a big Gronk fan. They told me no. But you know what? You can't do the same. Like I, Again, you can't do the same. Like, these brands sponsor the league. You can't. Mm-hmm. I know. It's, I, it's mind-boggling. Every Grey Cup, when Grey Cup comes around, there's like nothing in the grocery stores. Basically yeah. nothing. But yeah, when Super Bowl comes around, there's a big pop display, you know, everything. It's just the way that it like, it's just the way that it is. People are gonna gravitate to the bigger, the I bigger t- leagues, the bigger. I totally companies. understand that. And like I said, this was in the talking about the superstars was in the the more like utopian world of the CFL actually having sort of a brand identity. Mm-hmm. But you have to start somewhere. And like I said, you can't tell me that these brands that are willing to put money into sponsoring the league and their television broadcasts wouldn't pay fair rate to get some of the players from the league into those ads. That's how you can create some superstars. Yeah, it'd be a good question to ask, you know, some of these guys that are having Randy Ambrosi on their show. Yeah, that'd be a good question to ask. Like, why aren't these players in some commercials that... You know, of companies that sponsor the league. Like, that would be a good question to ask to the higher-ups of the CFL. I think I may have to write that piece and see if that yeah. sort of kicks up some dust because... Yeah, do it. Yeah, that's uh, it's a question that I've had for, for quite some time now. Okay, we have gone way longer than I anticipated today, but we got one last thing to talk about, but we're probably going to be quick because we're talking about round three in the Battle of the QEW. The Ticats are set to once again go down the highway to take on their arch-rivals, the Toronto Argonauts. I got to be honest with you. I don't know what else we can talk about with these two teams playing each other that we haven't already said. Both yeah. teams come into this game limping with under 500 records. Both teams lost a week ago. Hamilton in a nail-biting 29-28 loss to the Montreal Alouettes in Montreal. The Argos then lost 29, uh, 22-19 to the Calgary Stampeders. I had money on the stamps at, at uh, minus 2.5, so thank you, Calgary, for pulling that one out. Incredibly, Mike, if ha- we got another back-to-back between these two teams. This this Friday and then Labor Day. If Hamilton wins these next two games, they actually leapfrog the Argos in the standings. <laughs> that's not going to happen. I, I was I, totally... I was going to say, from what we've seen from the Ticats this season, I don't think that that's going to happen. No. I, I'm not filled with a lot of hope that they'll sweep this back-to-back set, and I'm no. assuming that you aren't either. But do you think they could pull this off? And this would be no. their first road win of 2022. Like, mm-hmm. this is a bad road team. This is a bad team. I want to I want to give the people listening to this who are the majority Ticat fans some hope. I'm I'm not confident going into this one at all. But no, the good thing about I think that is, gonna... the good thing about that is though, before I let you go, the games that I've been the least confident in, they've actually won. Right. The I've been the most confident in, they've lost. So who knows? Maybe maybe my lack of my lack of uh, hope here is is actually a good thing for their prospects this week. I'm hoping so, and I hope we combined our our lack of. Um, confidence in this team and, and it turns out in in two wins over the Argonauts but I think they're going to lose both of these games oh they're winning I have no faith in this team whatsoever it doesn't matter how well they play because they'll find a way to lose it at the end of the game and they just that's just their nature so 
I don't really care what they do. I, I just I just think at the end of the game they will find a way to lose in a you know in a dramatic fashion that will tear my soul out of my body. Well, they're going to win Labor Day. I have no I have no questions about that. I know eventually Toronto's going to going to beat the Ticats on Labor Day at Tim Hortons Field, but it hasn't happened yet. I'm going to stick with the good mojo on Labor Day. I think they win that one. This one though, I mean the Argos aren't very good. Eat like these are this is two bad football teams. I don't care that the Argos are are atop the division. They are so like Hamilton. I think is bad, whereas the Argos are so schizophrenic. You never know what team you're going to get from them week to week, and I think it all revolves around the starting quarterback, McLeod Bethel Thompson. We probably talked about this before when we did these teams. He can look like the best quarterback in the league, and he can look like a guy who shouldn't even be on a practice roster. So it all depends on what version of of him shows up. We can talk about the Brandon Banks aspect of it, but he's been almost invisible. Jagarit Davis won't be playing in this game. He was hurt, and he's out for the next few weeks. I just, uh, I don't know, man. I I think this could be kind of a, a bad, sort of boring game. And I our post-game show following the game on Friday night could just be us kind of scratching our heads going, well, that was a game I get. You know what I mean? Like, I don't. Yeah. I, I, but what, what both these teams have shown. Yeah, I think Hamilton's defense is going to probably make, you know, the Argos offense, they're not going to play very well, I don't think. I mm-hmm. think this is going to be probably an ugly offensive game. Um, I don't know the status of Dane Evans. You know, Matthew Schultz has been pretty good in there, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's some excitement in this game, but I, I could see where you're going with this because I I don't have any faith in McLeod Bethel-Thompson, you know, moving the ball uh you know that uh, any um what do you call it consistency there's going to be no there's yeah. no consistency with his game or with the Argonauts game as well so this could be a couple of ugly ones yeah and there no Andrew Harris so that takes away an aspect of and not that he's been playing ex- exceptionally well he's old but you know what I mean like that takes away something that the Argos could have relied on this this just feels like it's almost a game that if I didn't have to watch it, I would consider turning off because I just feel like it's just not going to be very exciting. I, I just yeah. I I have no aside from my sort of, for lack of a term, like contractual interest in having to watch this game because it's part of my job and because I want to be able to talk with you about it after the game's over. Man, if I could get out of watching this game, I probably would try because these two yeah. teams might be. Like at least Ottawa, as bad as they are, has that morbid curiosity of like how low can they sink? Whereas with these two teams, you cheer for one and you want them to be good, but they've given you nothing to think they can be. And the other is just so inconsistent that it makes them uninteresting to watch. Like this might be the two most two least interesting teams in the CFL right now for me when it comes to a matchup between the two. And maybe that also has to do with the fact that we've already seen it twice three in the last three weeks. So um, yeah. This schedule where they played each other four times in in, in five weeks, really that needs stupid. to go. Yeah, yeah. That needs to don't go. Ever, you can't ever have this happen again. No, and I'm okay with back to backs, like uh, you know, because of the tradition of back to backs in you know Hamilton, Toronto on Labor Day, Calgary, Alberta, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan. That's all good, but you know, four to five is way, too way too much, way too much. All right, well, uh, that's a that's a downer to end the show on, but that was. Uh, that was Pods Community for this week. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Eat them raw. Eat them raw.